0: God with us, we've made it to Christmas Eve. Welcome to this Christmas Eve service, the celebration of the incarnate Christ. We are going to read three scriptures that aren't traditionally associated with Christmas, and yet they describe the fullness of our Savior, Jesus. My dad's going to get us started, and then I invite you to stand up and sing a great old Christmas carol with us from the Gospel of John chapter 1. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood
1: so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord through the glory of God.
0: Absolutely. You guys can clap if you want. Uh, Hey, church, how we doing? Doing good? Merry Christmas. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. And buckle up because it's a little lengthy. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that
1: made it to Christmas Eve, all four advent candles have been lit, leaving only the center, the Christ candle. John eight twelve says, Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came as a baby, but he was already the light of the world. We light this candle tonight to remember that He has led us out of darkness into the light of life. Amen. Well, th- let's thank the Riser family singers here. Not uh, not very often do you see three generations of Risers all on the stage there uh, performing, and the, the strings were fantastic as well. Grateful for them. Um, yeah, we can clap for that. Too. Well, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. So glad that you're choosing to spend your evening uh, with us. It was kind of funny in the first uh, service you had the sense with people like this this. Urgency to finishing it down, out of here, and I, I get the sense here we're a little more relaxed, we're a little bit more chill. Like we're, any plans, we've kind of let go of those for the evening. So get get comfortable. Uh, really, I have a good 50 minute sermon for you uh, to share. Uh, just joking, we'll be uh, fairly brief. But during our Christmas season, we had fun uh, in just the last couple of weeks going on this adventure, and you can see it on the screen: the journey to Christmas. And we looked at all these different characters in the Christmas narrative, looking at each one of their journeys to Christmas, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the wise men, Mary, the shepherds. And then uh, just yesterday, talking through the journey that, the, that Joseph had leading up to Christmas. But all of that was building towards this evening with the main character's journey. Who's the main character? Yes, you've been wanting to say that since Sunday school and be accurate. Yes, so uh, that is correct. The main character in our story uh, tonight is Jesus Christ. And I would propose that out of all the journeys that we've discussed, all these different characters and all these uh, individuals, all of them, this would be the most dramatic story of them all. The most dramatic story as part of the Trinity, God Almighty coming down to be with us, to literally engage with us, I would suggest that that's the greatest journey out of any possible journey of getting here for Christmas. So often when you think about Christmas, what comes to mind, you have this picture of this nice kind of safe baby kind of wrapped in swaddling claws in a manger. And that's a picture that we kind of like the eight pound, five ounce picture of Jesus. That's the image that we have, right? But so Often I would suggest that that's maybe missing a little bit of reality because yes, that's a a wonderful tool for remembering what happened, but it doesn't necessarily represent current reality. I think if we understood of who this baby Jesus actually was, there'd be a little bit more of like, whoa factor to what actually happened on Christmas. Found it interesting. I was looking this week at kind of one of the disciples just in in studying this. One of the disciples you might remember, his name was John. And I always liked John because he was kind of the self-proclaimed favorite one of Jesus. In fact, he was quoted as saying he's the disciple that Jesus loved. Wouldn't that be fun? In his own book, he wrote that. So anyway, uh, John wrote that about himself. And it was actually, uh, to some degree, true. It was somebody that Jesus loved. If there's anybody on this planet that probably knew Jesus personally, more than anybody else, it was John. Like John spent a ton of time with him, knew him intimately for sure. And later in life, he had a unique opportunity, unique treat because after Jesus had been, lived his life, had died on a cruel Roman cross, rose again, and then was elevated back to heaven, John had another opportunity to actually encounter Jesus Christ. Did you know that? He actually had an opportunity with his own eyes to see him. In fact, we're told about it in the book of Revelation, where Jesus actually speaks to John, kind of revealing what the future looks like. Take a look at this encounter that John had with Jesus after he's resurrected and back in heaven. So then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. Woo! Not exactly the baby in the manger, right? What does it say? How, what, was, what was John's response to this encounter after with his own eyes? What does it say that he did? It says that I fell down like I was dead. Whoa, this was, this was the Jesus that he knew that he had spent so much time with, but all of a sudden the, 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 the blinds were pulled back. It was revealed the full splendor of who Jesus actually is. Not, not, the, not the baby version of Jesus, but the full splendor and greatness of almighty God. Can you imagine? It's kind of a, a trend actually in scripture. Anytime the Lord reveals himself to someone, in fact, it, you re- might remember the, Isaiah the prophet when he had a similar encounter with the Lord, his response was, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people. Of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There's something that happens that's a little different, that's a little bit more awe worthy, that's a little bit more driving us to praise when we actually encounter Jesus for who he actually is, not who he was in a manger. You see, that took quite a journey in order for God in his splendor to come down to be amongst us. Just kind of simple people, right? In, in fact, tell the person next to you, you're kind of simple. Uh, you don't have to do that. But you get the idea. Uh, some people are getting into that. Uh, but but here, here's the, the beautiful thing. That pi- that picture is painted for us beautifully in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I want to just spend a, just a couple minutes before we wrap up just walking through that. We had a chance for Ella to read that. I'm going to look at just the first couple of verses in Philippians uh, there it says, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality, did not count equality uh, with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. I'm going to stop there just for a moment, just thinking about that. It says something interesting in the form of God, in the form of God, the word form there is used as the the basic essence of somebody. It's the same term. If you were to think about kind of your soul and who you are, the kind of thing that says that this is what makes you who you are, where it wouldn't matter how many plastic surgeries or whatever you still are, who you are, that's your essence. And so Jesus was in the very form, and the very essence, was God. But I find it interesting that that that's not something that's new in Scripture. It's splashed all over the place. John 8, 58, Jesus himself said this. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You know the term I am used there. John 1, 1, the description of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hebrews 1, 3 the radiance of the glory of God is, the exact, is in the exact imprint of his nature, referring to Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. He isn't just something, somebody that's like got this idea of being like God. He is God. That is who he is. And in fact, it says he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I thought that was kind of a peculiar statement, right? Something to be grasped. I was looking into that a little bit. Uh, uh, further. Thank you, John MacArthur. But uh, the term grasped is actually has kind of two definitions. It can either mean seize or snatch. I don't know if you've ever had somebody grasp something of yours, maybe a, a wallet or a purse. Uh, but the idea of seize or snatch is taking something from someone else. This idea of is maybe grasp there. Or also the second meaning is clinging or holding on to something Tightly, something that you don't want to lose, something that's important to you. Here's the definition there. When he says that about Jesus, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He's really saying both things. It wasn't something that he was trying to seize or take because why? He already had it. He wasn't like Satan that was hoping to achieve that or acquire that. He already had that. And if you take it to the second definition, it was also something that he wasn't clinging on to in a place where he wasn't willing to let it go. That's why it continues by saying, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. That's a fascinating statement. That's something that was necessary. It's a term that we see our, uh, if you're spent any time in the Greek, the word is kenosis. And the word, in fact, that's just a fun one to sneak into a, a sentence tomorrow on Christmas. You know, the kenosis of Jesus. Uh, but the, the idea of kenosis is the idea of there had to be a, a, a pouring out of something. The definition of it by in itself is the, the idea of emptying yourself completely to pour until it's completely gone. You see, That's what God did on our behalf. He poured out himself until he was completely gone. And you're like, well, what did he he pour out? It wasn't his deity. It wasn't the essence of who he was. It didn't change that. But he poured out, we get a clue found in John 17, 5. This was Jesus' words when he's praying to the Father. He says, and now, Father, glorify me, this is after he'd finished his ministry, in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is the picture. He had shed all of his glory, all of his majesty, all of his divine nature, all of all of his privileges, all of his uh, honor, all of his riches. He was even submitting himself to kind of the, the God the Father's kind of will and direction in his life. He submitted all that. He poured all of that out for the ability to do what come do- to come down. And be with knuckleheads like you and I. He poured it all out so that he could be with us. Because if he showed up in all of his splendor, if he showed up in the, the, the magnific- magnificent self that he is, what would be our response? Probably the same thing that John did, right? On our knees, bowing before him. But in order for him to execute his plan, which was his plan, was to come here. We see it in the second half of the, the chapter there. You see it played out perfectly. to human in human form. So he wasn't, he wasn't just an imposter. I mean, he did, he did the whole thing. I mean, he was, a, he was a legit baby, like stinky, you know, like like crying a lot, peeing, pooping, the needing mom, like all the stuff that we love about babies. Like he was all of that because he had a plan. What does it say that his plan was? Become a servant, ultimately serving us by what? What does it say? by dying on a cross, even a cruel Roman cross. Are you kidding me? That's the journey that Jesus came on from his splendor down to earth to a cross. And then the story doesn't end there. It says that uh, after that point that he was elevated again, back to the place that he was. And that was the description that we started with. That's where he's at now. Elevated is no more baby Jesus. Like, I'm sorry to break that news to you on Christmas Eve, but the baby Jesus is no longer. Now it's the elevated Lord over all. Found it interesting in those last couple verses there. So it says, that so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth. We're still in that season where it's a should thing. Now, later on, it's going to be every knee will bow. Every head w- or every, knee, is that right? Knee will bow, yeah. Uh, so so that, that, that's now, right now, it's still in the should category. There's a day coming where it's where every knee will bow. And so for us, the choices, and really this is the, the gospel message, the message of Christmas. Romans ten nine tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the Christmas message. That's exactly what it is. Believing that he actually is the Lord. So for us this Christmas, first off, if you're somebody that you've never embraced that, band, maybe this is the Christmas where actually a knee is bent and you acknowledge him as Lord. Maybe for the rest of us that already have embraced that, maybe this is the year that we celebrate him for more than just a baby in the manger. What if we saw the pre-kenosis Jesus this Christmas? What if that's who we saw? How would that change what our worship looked like? I'd propose there'd be a little bit more solemnness. I'd propose there'd be a little bit more like, whoa, I worship him. I praise him for making the choice to come down to be my rescue. Just a couple thoughts for us here on Christmas Eve. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together and spend some time, even just looking at your word and not allowing the miracle of Christmas to sneak by. Recognizing the journey that you went on to be with us. It's unbelievable what you put off so that you could rescue a people that had rejected you. We praise you for that this Christmas. I pray for each one of us going into this uh, next 24 hours, that we'd find time to genuinely celebrate that, to genuinely bend a knee and worship Jesus, the incarnate Lord. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, we have this little tradition and uh, i can I steal that candle right there? Thank you. You guys can grab your candles now. Every uh, Christmas, we do this kind of as a visual demonstration. Of light breaking into darkness. And that couldn't be more perfect for this evening's message because that's exactly what happened. So I'm gonna take from this candle and we're gonna try to uh, gently send that down the, the rose here. And while we're doing that, we're gonna sing Silent Night together. definitely a treat. I look forward to this every year. Just kind of look at it. Just take a peek around. How pretty is this as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ? We're going to stand for this last song. Maybe you can elevate your candles a little bit as we sing Joy to the World. Well, on behalf of ABF, our entire staff, we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We pray you have a fantastic day celebrating Jesus Christ. And as that goes out, that's a reminder maybe if you wouldn't mind blowing these out before you go, our area is a little bit prone for fire. God bless you. Merry Christmas.